0: Just down the road from me here in Austin, Texas offices, a custom home builder. And this custom home builder uh, happens to be our interviewee on today's show. And also happens to have, shall we say, a paltry 685,000 subscribers to his YouTube channel. Uh, Many of you probably already know of whom I speak. That is Matt Reisinger. For those of you who by chance don't know who Matt is, he is a longtime custom home builder here in Austin. I've known Matt peripherally for close to a decade now, and I've seen his growth. He is one of the top, very top custom home builders in town. He's known to work with the very best architects, do beautiful, beautiful work. But really, Beyond that, what most people know him for is his YouTube channel, his social media presence, where he speaks on a variety of building topics, usually geared towards uh, some cool kind of building science or building performance topic. Well, I've been wanting to have Matt on the show for a while and got the opportunity. So of course I jumped at it and I wanted to take a little different angle. I wanted to talk about Matt Reisinger the builder and businessman, uh, so the guy behind it. And, um, I invite you guys to sit back and listen and enjoy. I think you're going to learn a lot. So here's Matt. Matt, first of all, thanks for coming on the show. It's, it's an honor for me because, well, for one, another Austin builder. Yeah. For, for two, I've wanted to have you on the show for a long time. Oh, that's um, cool, man. Thank yeah, you. Yeah. I, you know, I think that a lot of our audience, my my guess is the majority, already know you've seen your, your videos. and And so, you know, when we got the opportunity to visit, I wanted to take a little bit of a different angle. Okay. So... What I want to do today, you know, I think and, and including me, I think a lot of us know Matt Reisinger, the guy who, you know, dominates YouTube, who has
1: <laughs> you know, <laughs> this this the
0: social media presence who's this uh, building science and building performance expert, you know. But yep. here's the thing, living in Austin, I mean, I've known you peripherally for probably six, seven years. Yeah, um, or longer probably. Yeah, well I I got started back in I guess about 20 2010 I think you've been here oh, for okay. before that. But, I started in five. Yeah, and I remember meeting you probably 2011 20, 2012 yeah, time frame. Exactly. You know, I've yeah. seen you grow since then. Um, but what I'm curious personally and what I think our audience would be really curious knowing is, you know, Matt Reisinger, the builder and the businessman. So I want to Sure. I want to hone in on that today and I think maybe That a, sounds great. I think a natural place to start would be let's just talk about first your building company. I mean, tell us kind of the, you know, high level overview of, of sure. Reisinger and company.
1: So actually I changed my name. Uh, I did a, uh, uh, I did kind of a brand change, even though all of the taxes and everything are still the same. Um, a couple, three, four years ago, Uh, Well, actually, let me back up a little bit, Jared. When I started my company in in 2005, uh, I was new to Texas. I didn't know what I was going to do as a builder, uh, but I was ready to spread my entrepreneurial wings. I'd worked for other builders for many, many years. So I bought uh, a couple, uh, two projects in a really nice part of town and did tear down spec projects with architects. And, um, that kind of led me down the path of realizing, gosh, these architects in this town, especially have a really good reputation where people are seeking after some of these architects really want a house designed by, uh, you know, Alter studios or Hugh Jefferson Randolph or, um, Lake Flato or whoever it is. There's lots of good architects in this town. And so Very quickly, I realized, and actually my business partner at the time helped me realize this. I don't need to kind of uh, advertise to the general public or be known by everybody in Austin. I just need a a good core group of architects to know me as a smart builder who does a good job. And then they'll send me clients to interview for on their projects. And um, that's really how I've grown my business. I started as Reisinger Homes. Uh, the spec builder. <laughs> and uh, I promptly lost uh, about $300,000 on my last spec job that I did that I started in 2007. Well, that's what I was going to uh, ask you. you.
0: You started right there at the time when things started getting really ugly. Yeah,
1: it was bad. So my my very first speculative project, I probably made uh, gross, not net. I probably grossed, I don't know, $50,000, let's say on a one point two or three million dollars spec. It was my first on my own project. Uh, I was really trying to build it well, but I just was—I didn't know the the business of building super well. I was still figuring it out. My next project uh, was a really kind of uh, uh, interesting modern architecture, and uh, I was on track to probably make, let's say, a hundred thousand dollars gross uh, on the project. I think I had it. Uh, on the market for around one five or one six, and ended up selling around that price point. Uh, but I got it under contract while I was still under construction. And the clients made a ton of changes. Uh, I was really, I, I found it very difficult to try and figure out how to do a fixed price contract with these change orders that were happening all over the place. And in the meantime, the economy was going in the tank. And by the time I finished it and we were ready to close, the clients basically said, Hey, I'm not sure that I can afford this house anymore. <laughs> uh, and renegotiated with me at the last minute. And I, I was in a pickle. I, I really barely, uh, kind of got out of that deal with my, with my teeth intact. I think we made uh, $40,000 gross at the settlement table. Oh, and man. now, now we're, t- now we're talking like 2008 or so was when I finished it. And I had a business partner at the time who, really was a named partner, but didn't have legal ownership of my company. And I gave him the $40,000 and said, Hey, I'm really sorry. You haven't gotten a paycheck in six months. You take this and sign this piece of paper saying you don't own a part of this business. And I'll take the spec house that we have (laughs) under construction and, uh, you know, good luck weather, good luck weathering the storm with your family. And I'll pray that God will feed my family too. And, you know, these were times when uh, literally like, every week on Thursday you get that pit in your stomach like, Oh my gosh, how am I going to pay my subs on Friday? Yeah. Uh, let alone, let alone how am I going to pay my own mortgage and, uh, and all this kind of stuff. So I ran my credit cards to the max. I had about $40,000 in credit card, um, uh, credit limit between all my kind of personal cards. I ran those up to the max. I, used every penny of whatever savings I had. The only thing I didn't do luckily was I didn't cash out my 401k that I had from a previous uh, production builder that was on the stock market. So I left that money intact, but of course the stock market decimated that anyways. Um, And I had a spec going and I'd also was developing a piece of property that I was running all kinds of roadblocks on. So man, I was in trouble And, and I could have very easily gone out of business slash declared bankruptcy and I'll be honest with you Jared it was my faith that got me through that time I prayed and uh asked God to help me and asked for my daily bread every day and um and I'll tell you God provided for me every day but not for the day for not but not for the day after until that day (laughs) yeah uh and I uh and I made it through and um uh I had when I finally sold that spec that I started in 07, I sold it in 2010 for about a two hundred and fifty or sixty thousand dollar loss. Mm. So, you know, I, I put a million into it expecting to sell it for one, two. It was in Breaker Woods. Uh and instead I got, you know, multiple low ball offers, which of which one I finally took at like seven fifty. So I oh, went nice. to the closing table. And I had a 750 construction loan and I had an investor that I owed $250 for. And, and so I paid off my construction loan and I had an investor who was like, well, where's my money? And I said, well, I don't have your money, but if you'll give me a uh, an IOU, I'll start making payments as soon as I can and I promise I'll pay you off. Uh, and it took me about six months before I could start making payments. I had to get some client jobs going. Um, but uh, the story that, some of your listeners may have heard before is I called that debt Chuck. It was my employee that I, that I had to pay every month, but, but I couldn't fire. Yeah. Uh, and I made a plan to, and I finally did pay off Chuck and fired him in 2015. Uh, I got rid of that debt. It was like 7,000 bucks a month. I was paying and, and, uh, and paying off that debt and I finally did it. And, um, you know, God was faithful to me and, and my subs were loyal to me and, uh, I never, I, I paid back every penny of anything that I, that I owed anybody. Uh, and so it, I had a hard go at the start of business. You know, I made some serious mistakes. Uh, and I was really thankful that I had, uh, paying clients that were, uh, paying me, even though I wasn't making a lot of money, I was keeping my head above water and I never, never went bankrupt. And I uh, was able to pay that off. And, you know, here we are in 2020, it's a totally different deal. You know, I've got uh, a bigger company. I do nothing but cost plus now. Uh, my clients pay me every month <laughs> and I don't worry about whether the houses are going to sell. So it's a whole different deal. And now I've rebranded myself to Reisinger build. Okay. Um, but the books are still Reisinger homes, and the uh, taxes are still Reisinger homes. Yeah. Uh, but uh, what I did was I I uh, I started on Instagram uh, with the name Reisinger Build, and a couple of years ago I just thought you know this Instagram thing's great for developing architect relationships because I knew architects were very visual and were on it a lot. So once a day I'd post an image on uh, uh, on Instagram with a little bit of a. Uh, you know, some kind of a write up on it. And I always feel like Instagram and that social media is my way to stay in contact with people that might refer me business, um, mainly architects now. And, uh, and so that grew so much that at some point I was like, gosh, this Reisinger build name and logo, which I came up out of nowhere, this would actually make a great company name. And uh, I'd changed to Reisinger and company uh, a few years ago as a, as a logo and as a brand name, because I I had a business partner, um, that felt like we were too, we sounded too much like a spec builder calling ourselves Reisinger homes. Uh, and I think also there was some thought of, well, how could we transition at some point from Matt being the solo owner to, you know, multiple people being owners in the company. And, um, we ended up splitting up kind of like you and, um, Uh, Jones did. Uh, and now he's off on his own and doing real well. It was an amicable split. Um, so then I thought, you know, there's a lot of cachet in my, in just using my name. I like having my name on the door. I think, uh, especially when people are building a custom home, they want to know who's got the bottom line and whether someone will stand up to it. If, if you name yourselves, uh, you know, pale face builders or some name that doesn't mean anything uh, I tend to feel like there's there's a little bit of a mistrust uh, from clients until you can build up that trust. Whereas if there's a name on the door, they meet that name, there's a little bit more of a comfort factor. So I think for smaller custom builders like you and I, having your name in the in the building company makes a lot of sense.
0: I never heard of it from that perspective, but that does make sense, and I can I can see that kind of looking looking back over the times that we've had customers who have, you know, you get to know them pretty well and kind of what their hot buttons are. And that's right. I mean, they need, they want, they want somebody that's going to stand behind that, that name. That's right. And that experience, yeah. I got to that's share right. something with you. This is so, you know um, I have uh, not too dissimilar of an experience with my first home. So I, my first one was in Crestview, which for our listeners, they mm-hmm. may not know where that is a little, little kind of infill. Uh, community here in in Austin. So mine was, when you were selling yours, I was probably mid-construction of mine. (laughs) And this was, you know, I got, I got the lot for like a hundred and 50000 in Crestview, which is about a third of what they cost today. And I built, you know, it was, I had no idea what I was doing, Matt. I mean, I came from the the real estate and private equity world and finance world. I Mm -hmm. didn't, I didn't even know how to swing a hammer. So I got in with all, put all of my savings plus a a family loan into, into this home, you know, got delayed by the city arborist. And I was like, like sleepless for about seven Mm -hmm. or eight months as we were building it. And, you know, I went and sold it and, uh, and I made, I think I, I think I grossed probably 20, 25,000, but you know, gross (laughs) I mean, at the time I at least got a positive check, but what you don't realize is that that gross doesn't factor in, you know, I was working for free for, for a year, made every mistake in the book. I actually, I forgot my budget to include a driveway.
1: No, no, I no, guess.
0: <laughs> I know Stuff. that goes.
1: I mean, and today our just our general liability insurance is more is more than that. Yeah. Uh, you know, I'm spending 75, uh, 70,000. What was our, I can't remember what it was. I think it was 70,000.
0: Yeah. Uh, is our, is our GL insurance these days. And that's, that's oh, just man. a walk in the door for the year. Oh, no, no kidding. That's an entirely separate subject. I'm going to have to visit with you on one of these days. Uh, yeah, the GL, uh, g l subject but before we move yep. on, you mentioned something i want to on a reference so you mentioned sure. that, you know you've you've really used instagram as as a tool to to grow and actually there's a mm-hmm. a builder that that you and I both know and and respect i won't name by name just because i didn't didn't ask him for permission before, but um real good builder in town and one of his Uh, One of the things he's told me is that he has developed a lot of good architect relationships just simply by developing those relationships on Instagram with them, doing things as simple as commenting on their photos saying awesome, awesome job. Great work. Looks, you know, 100%. So I think that's something that a lot of our builder community who listens to us can. It's low hanging fruit that you can take advantage of in your own community. Absolutely.
1: And I've told this story a hundred times, but I'll I'll give you the short version. Jared, when I uh started on social media, I did it strictly to uh promote my business. And I started blogging and shortly thereafter I started on YouTube in two thousand eight. And in two thousand eight, you know, YouTube I was getting like thirty views a video. It's not like this was any big deal. It's it would be like what Instagram would be today. If you got thirty likes on a photo, you'd say, Oh good, lots of people saw it. So I'd have 30 watches on a video, but I'd go into a meeting with a client and they and they would say, and this is a client I didn't know, let's say an architect refer me. They, they would say things to me like, Matt, it's so great to finally meet you. It's, I watched 10 of your videos last night about uh, windows and insulation and I just really appreciated how thoughtful you were, blah, blah, blah it made me realize it's not about the numbers. It doesn't matter whether my videos have 30,000 or three views. If one of those three people watching is the right person who's then maybe going to build a house with me or refer me to someone who's going to build a house. So, you know, anybody, anybody listening to this, who's, who's thinking about social media, forget about the numbers, set your ego aside. You don't need to be dude perfect or, uh, you know, any other juggernaut in social media, what you need to do is have your network of people um, comment and see your photos. And just like you said, Jared, you get out there and you comment and talk about theirs Um, because social media and Instagram in particular is kind of the new version of cheers. Uh, You know, when I was a kid, I watched cheers. Your, your audience may be too young for this, but it was a show that was at about a bar in Boston And every time this one guy walked in, everyone in the bar would say, hey, Norm. And he came there every day at the same time. And that's the same thing with Instagram. You know, these are people that mostly you haven't met, but you know them. You know their work. You know who they are. uh, You're familiar with them. And uh, you know, uh, and they know kind of what to expect from you. So if you start interacting with some of those people that you think are a good referral, especially architects, um, they will get to know you and potentially like you and potentially refer you business. It won't happen with uh, a week of being due do- of doing it or four comments, but in time you will develop those relationships just like you went to the bar and met them for a beer.
0: Yeah. Well, and speaking of architects, I want to come back to your company because that was my next question. So you guys work with the top architects in town. Um, Thank you. What, what do you think kind of what drove that? I mean, obviously, you've been in the market, it's time and consistency. I know that's the obvious answer. Um, And I know you, you know, you really focused on architects as, uh, as your target market, which I think is also key. But is there anything else that differentiated you guys that helped you really develop these relationships with these top architects?
1: Yeah, you know, uh, when we first started the, that kind of plan in the 2007-2008 uh, time period, it, I had an architect working for me uh, as a project manager, uh, a guy named Eric Rouser, who's now on his own. Uh, and he was a partner of Moses for a long time. And he's really the one who got me started on this. I wish I could take credit, Jared. I'm not that smart. <laughs> um, and, uh, and so one of the things that he did was he said, you know, we should probably become members of the local chapter of the AIA the American Institute of Architects and we should probably go to those meetings and be a participant and that's that was a big thing that we did even before Instagram was just going and showing up and being part of it yeah. uh, and so you know depending on where you're listening if you're in uh, Kansas maybe there's not an AIA but maybe there's a uh, a rotary board, maybe there's a realtor board, maybe there's somebody else that might be a referral source for you that you could get involved with as a local organization. I realize things are a little wonky with COVID right now, and uh, none of those things are meeting in person anymore, but a lot of them are meeting virtually. In fact, uh, I don't know if you're familiar with the group called Mary National yeah. Association of the Remodeling Industry. Yeah, they're still they're still doing great Zoom meetings. They have one tomorrow on uh, women in the building industry. Uh, and you know, they'll probably have, uh, 75, a hundred people tuning in. Uh, so get involved with those groups is a great way of, of uh, uh, networking. And ultimately that networking is not just, uh, for referrals. It's also for your benefit as well. Cause when I moved here, I got really actively involved with the home builders association and I met several builders uh who mentored me who allowed me to take them to lunch and ask questions uh who helped the young kid who had a problem with his stucco contractor or didn't know what to do with the client who wouldn't pay their change order or you know whatever and i had you know as a 32 33 year old builder i had several builders that were 50 or 55 that i considered a friend that i could pick up the phone and say hey Tim, what do I do with this? You know, have you gone through this? What did you do? Uh, And having that kind of advice from a seasoned builder who would take time to listen to you, man, that was super valuable to me.
0: Yeah. One of our listeners in the, in our community guy named uh, Byron Brooks, who's out of uh, Calgary. um, He he's got a, fantastic strategy also so he goes to the meetings like what you're talking about and he'll also set up uh property tours and different kind of events that mm. he can that he kind of provides some of some of his his perspective sometimes on some of the you know some of the construction issues that they're learning and and you know of course the really top architects are always one just like the top builders are always wanting to kind of cross collaborate and learn about what yep. what the other side's seeing and and so apparently those i think are, are really well attended type, uh, type deals that, you know, people enjoy being a part of. For sure. For sure.
1: Let me, let me throw one other thing out there too, Jared. Um, you know, with the craziness of, uh, of this COVID-19 deal, everybody's kind of rethinking their business strategies and especially attracting new business. Uh, and I do want to give a quick plug, uh, to my friends at Lowe's who have partnered with home advisor. Uh, you know, not everybody who's listening, probably like you and I is doing uh, maybe million dollar uh, custom homes, They may be, you may have lots of guys who are debt contractors or who are remodeling contractors or people who do additions. Uh, and one cool thing is uh, lowesforpros.com backslash pro Loyalty. If you are a Pro Loyalty member, which is free, uh, right now with this deal they've got with HomeAdvisor, uh, they'll give you an average of 10 free leads um with a 1 year home advisor membership that won't cost you anything. Uh and that's that's kind of cool that Lowe's is doing that to give back to the the contractor community. Cause, Absolutely. You know, I I've, I've seen business actually go up in Austin and my new lead inquiries have been really busy, but I know not everybody listening to this in other parts of middle America or smaller towns is is having that same um that same experience that you and I are, are here in this big town.
0: Yeah yeah that's great to know well thanks for sharing that totally um where are you guys today with your company i mean we kind of touched on i just want to hear a little bit more where are you guys today and where do you see you got your company going over the next you know 12 24 months
1: yeah you know i kind of consider myself a mid-sized uh building company jared we're probably uh gosh i don't know my exact people count we're around uh 16 17 people on the home building side of what I do. Uh and we're going to do about 10 million dollars this year in and uh both new construction uh whole house remodels and then we also do smaller projects for past clients as well. Um but and, and frankly I don't want to grow that a whole lot bigger than that. I feel like that's a great size for me still to know my clients, still be involved with projects even though I'm not on the day-to-day construction side of everything that happens. I'm not at every job site every day. Uh, and generally speaking, my project managers are the first contact for clients. Uh, and I've got kind of a, a sweet spot now where I've got a management team. I've got one guy that helps me do, uh, uh, leads and estimating and prospecting. I've got a vice president of construction who happens to be one of those older guys that helped me when I was a young builder and kind of retired from his company and now he's managing um, my construction managers. And then I've got another older gentleman um, who's my COO and manages my office and the paperwork and all the things that need to happen with bank draws and making sure that we've dotted every I and crossed every T perfectly. So I'm in kind of a cool spot where I get to now work on my business rather than own my own job. Yep. which of course, as builders, we did, everyone has done for some period of time. Um, but now that I'm coming on 15 years in business, I finally am at that spot. And I'm in a weird, I have kind of a weird job because of YouTube too, because I actually have a whole other company uh, that makes money through YouTube yep. and and making videos. And some of my videos are sponsored where people pay me to Make a video, and then others are not sponsored. But I make some money through AdSense, which is the uh, Google's um, kind of advertising platform. And then I started my own website to kind of do what Google does, called BuildShowNetwork.com. And I've got uh, four other, four other, or five other, five other contributors besides myself now shooting videos on their job sites uh, and publishing to BuildShowNetwork.com. So. Five days a week, I've got a brand new video on that website about
0: construction. Now, are those videos exclusive to Build Show Network? Yeah. Okay. Awesome. Awesome. Cool. I'll I'll have to check that out. Well, while we're on that topic, let's visit on this because there are going to be a bunch of guys listening that are going to want to know. You know, they're hearing your story and they're thinking uh, what they can do to develop. You know, a, a social media. Presence, you're the guy to ask. Totally. So, what, what's yeah. your tip? What's your tips? What's your advice on that?
1: I would say uh, find a platform for social media that you actually would participate in and wouldn't mind uh, pulling out. So, um, you know, in general, if you're a builder looking to um, reach the 25 to 45 year old, maybe 50 year old crowd. Instagram is a really hot uh, medium for that. And I like it because it doesn't take much time at all to snap a picture at a job site or put a finished photo in and uh, and then write two or three sentences on there and drop one in every day. And like I said earlier, then you can participate in the conversation that's happening. And Instagram's a really very adult-focused uh, program. TikTok, uh, I wouldn't bother with. Twitter is dying in my, in my estimation, you know, the, the president loves to tweet, but no one's, no one's reading those. I'm not following them. You know, I'm only on Twitter cause some big old companies are on Twitter. Other than that, I, I, I don't look at Twitter for fun. Yeah. Uh, I don't think Facebook is going to be around oh, forever personally. Uh, I do have some friends that are my age that are on Facebook, but I also know a bunch of 65 to 80 year olds that are on Facebook. Uh, so I think Facebook's kind of a waste of money. They were super smart buying Instagram. Yeah. And you, and YouTube is still a great medium. I mean, the beauty of YouTube and what separates it from other social media is that it's searchable. Uh, so if you search how to flush your tankless water heater, my video from seven or eight years ago will still come up in the search rankings. Uh, and that's the gift that keeps on giving. I still make money every month off a video I made seven years ago. But the other flip side of that is if you're a new builder getting into, let's say doing a YouTube channel, if, even if you just made one video a month, uh, and you are focused on how to build a great house in Seattle or in Michigan or wherever, if you tag that correctly, Google is hyper-local and YouTube is becoming the search engine of choice these days, even before Google uh, for the next generation behind, uh, you know, like my kid's age generation. So if you put something out there on YouTube, it lives forever and is incredibly searchable. Whereas once you put something on Instagram, two weeks later, it might as well be in a black hole. It's hardly going to get any notice and it's really, really hard to search. They have a terrible search. So I think YouTube is still a great platform yeah. uh, for for people to get involved on in social media because of that search. And, and again, I can't emphasize enough, forget about the numbers, forget about your follower count, your view count, your likes count, just get that out of your mind and don't obsess about it either as a builder. This is a business decision. So put a calendar notice every day at two to two you're going to get on Instagram and put a picture up and, and, you're, that's your, uh, you know, 75 minutes every week of marketing. And that's it. You're done. Don't don't pull it out all night long on your phone and mess with your family time or your, uh, your time you should be spending with your wife. Just do it during the work day for 20 minutes, 15 minutes a day and put it down and don't think about it again until the next day.
0: Excellent advice. Couldn't, couldn't agree more on that front. I want to, I want to ask you on actually on social media. So, you know, I have a personal experience. I've got a a nonprofit in Latin America and we were trying to grow Ah. our social media presence over the last year. And, you know, so we had our foundation name on it and we're, and you know, it was fine. We got a little bit of engagement. And then I actually, um, something that I've always been uncomfortable doing, I actually got out in front of the camera and started helping us. content, And it, it did a lot better whenever you know, mm-hmm. I think the person behind the company comes out and and puts themselves in, in front. I mean, is that 100%. Something, this is kind of, you know, I, I realize this is fairly um, getting into the weeds, but I mean, you've got your personal brand, Matt Reisinger on there. Mm-hmm. You recommend that builders put their personal names on there and get out from under the the company or does it even matter?
1: no i think that's huge uh you know i would say that's been apple's key to success for years was they trumped out uh or they they put out steve jobs uh for all those amazing presentations of the latest tech and steve jobs was apple right and we bought from microsoft because we had to not because we all thought that uh um uh no, i can't think of his name all of a sudden uh who's the nerdy guy in seattle who owns uh, or oh, started microsoft oh, bill
0: gates yeah
1: <laughs> yeah n- no one's like i want to be bill gates he's so <laughs> cool no i mean i'm sure he's a fine man but no one's like following bill gates on social media and wants to know everything that bill gates has to say about everything he's just a super rich guy yeah. and we all bought microsoft because we had to but everyone buys apple as a passion project because they think it's cool because they want to be in the conversation because they want to have what other people have because it works great. And they thought Steve jobs was so cool. Will the new guy, I can't even think of the new guy's name, uh, be as cool. I don't know. But when it comes to builders, you want to pick someone that you think is a, is a good personality is someone that you would like to do business with. I don't know about you, but if I have a sub that I hate interacting with or is just a jerk or smells they probably are not going to work for you for a long time. Right. <laughs> the, the same goes for, you know, clients picking a custom builder. If uh, you know, if you showed up to meetings disheveled in a 25 year old truck that was all beaten up, uh, even though you're the best builder in the world, they probably would be like, I don't know about this Matt Reisinger guy. I mean, he looks like a hobo. <laughs> do I really want to do business with him? And and again, you don't need to be some, uh, you know, I'm, I'm no, uh, Arnold Schwarzenegger. Uh, you know, I, I'm trying to think of who uh, some handsome, I'm no Brad Pitt. I'm just a <laughs> normal dude, but I, I've kind of forced myself to get out of my comfort zone enough that now, you know, 10 years later, it's no big deal for me to pull out a camera and talk. But, yeah. but again, I've set aside my ego and said, okay, it doesn't matter if I get some nasty comments or whatever, what I have to say about this is the important thing. My looks, my whatever doesn't matter. And, uh, and as a sidebar about 10 years, 10, 12 years ago, um, at some point, one of my business partners, who was an architect or my business part at the time he was an architect was like, Matt, you got to stop dressing like uh, you're cool, you 're not cool, you 're just a nerd. <laughs> Wear the same jeans and the black build logo every day. And and he literally was like, "I want you to order this shirt that you like that 's black. We're, order ten of those." <laughs> and oh, by the way, you 're chubby because you have uh, a pregnant wife and you 're need ice cream every day, and black's going to help you. <laughs> and so ever since, I, I literally have a closet full of about fifteen black shirts. Uh, they all have the build logo. they 're all pretty much the same thing. And all I do is wear the same jeans for three or four days until they're dirty and pick a new pair of jeans and just get a clean black shirt out every day. I don't have to think about my wardrobe. I don't have to look cool. I just wear the same thing every day and it works great for me. And and then too, I look the same in all my videos too. Because uh, then people know that's my, you know, that's Matt Reisinger is the black shirt with jeans and a usually a Bill logo hat on. And And now I'm not spending any money on my wardrobe either. I'm not trying to, for a little while I was trying to wear like, white dress shirts and like hey what do you think about this sport coat that i'm wearing to this meeting well i look like a doofus i was all frumpy and i weighed 20 pounds more than i do now i look like like a dork what was i doing i don't have fashion sense so so now i have you know uh, just a a jiffy lube outfit is what i call it i love it it's perfect
0: but you know what it's made That authenticity is is so much more valuable than trying to go for something that you're not, right? That's totally, I was trying to look like my clients, you know, they're always dressed nicely and had nice
1: shoes on. I remember for a while I was wearing nice shoes. You'd go to the job site, they get ruined. You'd be like, dang, I spent a hundred bucks on these shoes and they look terrible. Well, no, they're not, you don't need another corporate suit building your house. You need a builder. Yeah, <laughs> uh, and me looking like a builder has not hurt my prospects as a builder. In fact, if anything, I think it's helped me a little bit.
0: Yeah. Well, and, and going back to your brand, people know you as a certain as a certain person right now, and so you know, whenever yep. people get comfortable and know something, just human psychology is it's it's something that people like what they can understand and and know easily. Yeah. Yeah let's uh totally I know we're going on about about forty minutes and and I don't want to keep you all day but i got a f- I got two other really uh really important questions that i want to get get out there to you Um, totally so one i'm i am intentionally leaving this one vague um I'm curious what sort of business advice that you you feel most needs to be said to to our fellow builders. Does anything come mm. to mind?
1: Man, uh, you know, I can't, uh, help myself, but talk about performance of construction. Um, I've, I've had recently, I've been talking, uh, on Instagram about some kind of incremental changes that I've made over, over houses. And I made a statement that several people commented on, which was basically that every house I build, I want to build it incrementally better than the last house. Um, and i I think I credit a lot of my success to that that I've always tried to kind of up my game uh and so if I could give one piece of advice to a builder, I would say, uh, you don't need to go from building a uh you know a production builder house to a passive house but every every project you do, no matter what it is, whether it's a deck project, a kitchen remodel, whatever. Give it your best, no matter what the budget is. Do your best possible job on it, despite whether the clients deserve it or not, because often they don't. Um, do your best and make the job as, as, as excellent as you can. Notice I didn't say perfect, but as excellent as you can. And do every job a little better than your last job, especially when it comes to performance. If you do that, you'll get a reputation for doing things well, for always doing the right thing, and for for being a person of integrity. And, you know, honestly, in this business, we've got, we've got a lot to overcome with the general public when it comes to uh, you know, builders of the most reputable people in the world we're, you know, we're right in there with lawyers probably um, with uh, the most irreputable uh, businesses mm-hmm. uh, out there. So if you can make a name for yourself by doing things well, Uh, always giving more than what people deserve or even pay for uh, and doing every job a little better, you will do bigger and bigger and better in jobs. And that's been my, uh, that's been my, that's been my key to success. And I've seen a lot of uh, subcontractors, uh, deck builders, remodelers in that same exact boat where they started doing smaller jobs And because everyone had fantastic things to say about them, they kept doing bigger and better and more expensive and frankly, more profitable jobs. Uh, And that's the key is treating everybody uh, like they're the best client they've got um, regardless of how much profit you are going to or not make on that job.
0: Yeah. Well said, you know, that, that reminds me of, well, one of my personal philosophies, which is, I think that, yeah I, I'm so fascinated by human psychology and and one of the things I've noticed with my builder friends and even even myself at different times in, in my career we overvalue the the dollar today so in other words mm-hmm. maybe there's a, a situation or a problem on on a home that isn't necessarily our problem to fix but yeah. it might it might make the client happy if we do and so we got an option do we do it or do we not and I think a lot of times it's easy to overvalue the dollar today of trying to save it and, and subsequently diminish the value of the the long-term dollar, the dollar that's going to be better relationship for the remainder of the project, mm-hmm. the referrals in the future. So um, totally, just, I, I completely resonate with what you're saying. And I think that I agree. A lot of us, a lot of us need to hear, including me sometimes. Yep. Totally Jared. Totally agree, man. All right well let, let's let's bring this home with a uh, a question that that I am I'm dying to know and that is you know I think I think a lot of us we see the guys that are really leading the pack and and we think man life's got to be perfect when you arrive, <laughs> when you arrive there you know oh, that's um, so true but it's but it's not because that's just life everybody you know we all have our problems are there any issues or struggles or challenges that you, I know this can get personal. So, uh, you know, anything you're comfortable sharing in your business or anything that you still, you still struggle with or something you still want to get, you know, better at perhaps.
1: Yeah, man, I would tell you that's 100% the case. There's a, there's a builder in town that I always thought uh, was kind of the best of the best. And, uh, you know, you go to their website and their photos are amazing. And uh, the, my aha moment on that, uh, Jared, a couple of years ago was I went to uh, an interview for a project that was a takeover project. And I've gotten lots of calls over the years. Hey, my builder sucks. I need you to take this thing over. Will you come talk about it? So I go out there and, you know, the construction looked amazing. Like, wow, this is really well built. Like, I wonder what's going on. So you meet the client and man, the client just rakes this builder over you know oh this is ter- this is terrible and that's terrible and they're ripping me off and the quality of this and that and well I come to find out it's the it's this builder that I kind of idolized that he was firing and it just it just reminded me like oh my gosh you know you, you think that whoever is ahead of you or is the pack leader uh, doesn't have any problems when that's totally not the case even if you even if you're as a builder even if you're perfect which we never are um, this is a very imperfect process and a very imperfect industry. Uh, and there's all kinds of people in the world. Uh, and the people that we work with, we don't always know everything about them ahead of time. So uh, I can assure you, Jared, that I have just as many headaches and uh, uh, hard clients uh, as you do, as anyone else listening to this does. Um, I would tell you, though, that I've gotten better at, uh, or my company's gotten a lot better. kind of funneling uh, those people and and if they're not our client, having them fall out during the kind of vetting and contract process Uh uh, a a little bit more. And the longer I've been in business, the longer I'm realizing I don't need to build every house and that's okay if we don't get that project. Uh, You know, another one will (laughs) will come along and we should never fall in love with a project and have to do it because it's so cool or because whatever. Uh, You know, everything needs to be lined up correctly. And, uh, and you need to do projects that are your type of project with clients that are going to be reasonable and good to work with. And if, uh, if those things aren't there, it's okay to walk away.
0: Is is that just a gut feeling that you've developed over the years about who's going to be a good fit for you?
1: That has, but I would tell you also that you need to say, okay, if these are my processes or these are my costs or these are whatever, if you don't fit in that, there's only so much flexibility I have. You know, if whatever percentage you charge, let's say if they want a large discount on that, you need to be able to say, gosh, you know, I really can't discount that. That's really what I charge. Uh, and that's what I need so that at the net net, uh, you know, I make three to 4% at the end of the day on this project. Yeah, And, uh, and so I, I need that money so that I'll be around to do your warranty in two years. When you call me and you have a problem in five years, I want to be able to answer the phone and still be in business. Yeah. Uh, and so I really can't do that, uh, or whatever it is, you know, I, I really, another thing that happens all the time to builders is, you know, the costs are too expensive. So they go from the subs that they know and trust to the subs they don't know and don't trust because they're the right price. Yeah. And then ultimately you're thrown in the mud because the drywall job's terrible or because the painter did a horrible job or because, uh, you know, whatever happened on the job that all of a sudden, you know, you chose the low cost bidder or the low cost product or whatever. And you didn't stand up to that client early in in the process and go, you know, this really is the correct budget. I know this painting number seems crazy and expensive, but this is the right number. This painter, I trust. He does a great job. His crews understand uh, the level of crispness that I'm looking for in the houses that I build. And I know that your brother-in-law has a guy that he used for $15,000 that will do a great job, but that's not (laughs) my guy. And so yes, this budget is correct. I know that number seems crazy, but you have to trust me as your builder. And if they keep pushing on that, then there at some point there needs to be a break in the relationship before you go to contract. Yeah. Uh, and the same and the same goes with your contract too. You need to say, look, you know, here's all the things that we need to agree to together. If you're not going to agree to those, I don't think we should move forward. Yeah. So let those let those traps be in place so that if someone washes out, they're not your client, and that's okay, and you can part ways amicably and they can find a different builder who will be the right builder for them.
0: Yeah. It's funny how I'm listening to you right now. And I'm just reminded that, you know, I think the decades of being in business, we all seem to kind of converge into similar, (laughs) similar conclusions. Mm -hmm. You know, I've got the same thing. We, We really tell people, listen, we have our own trade base that, that we work with. Sorry. We, we, we can't work with people outside of our, our trade base. And actually yep. I, almost everybody at the end of the day, after hearing our explanation, why is okay with it, you know, same, same yep. thing with our, with our fee and our profit. I tell people the same thing. I say, listen, here's here's what we charge. Here's kind of where, you know, industry standard says a builder needs to be to kind of remain a solvent, company, which by the way, you want yep. to be working with a solvent company. So it's funny hearing you say that you, I think you and I are kind of sharing similar, similar stories with our clients about kind of how we see the business. I'm sure a lot of guys are doing the same after you, you get burned a few times, you know, that's right. Um, Matt, it's easy to do. That's for sure. So true, well, I really appreciate your time today. great, great visiting with you. Like I said, it's something I've been wanting to do for a long time because i I wanted to hear about you know the business side of of your enterprise. So I appreciate you yeah, appreciate you sharing.
1: Thanks for having me on, man. And uh, let me repeat that website to uh, for those that were that heard my home advisor Lowe's partnership deal. You can learn more about it at lowesforpros.com backslash pro loyalty. Man, I really appreciate having me on, Jared. Very kind of you, man.
0: Yeah, thank you, Matt. We'll link to that in the show notes as well. And uh, look forward to visiting again in the future, Matt.
1: Thanks, Jared. Hope to see you soon, buddy. Take care, man. Thanks, see you. All right, bye-bye now.